Moby Dick or The Whale by Herman Melville Chapter 22 Merry Christmas At length, towards noon, upon the final dismissal of the ship's riggers, and after the Pequod had been hauled out from the wharf, and after the ever-thoughtful charity had come off in a whaleboat with her last gift, a nightcap for Stubb, the second mate, her brother-in-law, and a spare Bible for the steward. After all this, the two captains, Peleg and Bildad, issued from the cabin, and turning to the chief mate, Peleg said, Now, Mr Starbuck, are you sure everything is right? Captain Ahab is all ready. Just spoke to him. Nothing more to be got from shore, eh? Well, call all hands then. Muster em aft here. Blast em. No need of profane words, however great the hurry, Peleg, said Bildad. But away with thee, friend Starbuck, and do our bidding. How now? Here, upon the very point of starting for the voyage, Captain Peleg and Captain Bildad were going it with a high hand on the quarter deck, just as if they were to be joint commanders at sea, as well as to all appearances in port. And, as for Captain Ahab, no sign of him was yet to be seen. Only, they said, he was in the cabin. But then, the idea was that his presence was by no means necessary in getting the ship under way and steering her well out to sea. Indeed, as that was not at all his proper business, but the pilot's, and as he was not yet completely recovered, so they said, Therefore, Captain Ahab stayed below. And all this seemed natural enough, especially as in the merchant service, many captains never show themselves on deck for a considerable time after heaving up the anchor, but remain over the cabin table, having a farewell merrymaking with their shore friends before they quit the ship for good with the pilot. But there was not much chance to think over the matter, for Captain Peleg was now all alive. He seemed to do most of the talking and commanding, and not Bildad. Aft here, you son of bachelors, he cried, as the sailors lingered at the mainmast. Mr Starbuck, drive them aft. Strike the tent there, was the next order. As I hinted before, this whalebone marquee was never pitched except in port, and on board the Pequod, for thirty years, the order to strike the tent was well known to be the next thing to heaving up the anchor. Man the capstan! Blood and thunder! Jump! was the next command, and the crew sprang from the handspikes. Now in getting underway, the station generally occupied by the pilot is the forward part of the ship, and here Bildad, who with Peleg, be it known, in addition to his other officers, was one of the licensed pilots of the port. He, being suspected to have got himself made a pilot in order to save the Nantucket pilot fee to all ships he was concerned in, for he never piloted any other craft. Bildad, I say, might now be seen actively engaged in looking over the bows for the approaching anchor and at intervals singing what seemed a dismal stave of psalmody to cheer the hands at the windlass, who roared forth some sort of chorus about the girls in Booble Alley with hearty good will. Nevertheless, not three days previous, 
Bildad had told them that no profane songs would be allowed on board the Pequod, particularly in getting underway, and Charity, his sister, had placed a small, choice copy of Watts in each seaman's berth. Meantime, overseeing the other part of the ship, Captain Peleg ripped and swore astern in the most frightful manner. I almost thought he would sink the ship before the anchor could be got up. Involuntarily, I paused at my handspike and told Queequeg to do the same, thinking of the perils we both ran in starting on the voyage with such a devil for a pilot. I was comforting myself, however, with the thought that in pious Bildad might be found some salvation. Spite of this 777th lay, which I felt a sudden sharp poke in my rear, and turning around, was horrified at the apparition of Captain Peleg in the act of withdrawing his leg from my immediate vicinity. That was my first kick. Is that the way they heave in the merchant service? he roared. Spring, thou sheephead, spring and break thy backbone. Why don't ye spring, I say, all of ye? Spring! Quahog spring, thou chap with red whiskers. Spring there, scotch cap. Spring, thou green pants. Spring, I say, all of ye, and spring your eyes out. And so saying, he moved along the windlass here and there, using his leg very freely, while imperturbable Bildad kept leading off with his psalmody. Thinks I... Captain Peleg must have been drinking something today. At last the anchor was up, the sails were set, and off we glided. It was a short, cold Christmas, and as the short northern day merged into night, we found ourselves almost broad upon the wintry ocean, whose freezing spray cased us in ice as in polished armour. The long rows of teeth on the bulwarks glistened in the moonlight and like the white ivory tusks of some huge elephant, vast curving icicles depended from the bows. Lank Bildad, as pilot, headed the first watch and ever and anon as the old craft deep-dived into the green seas and sent the shivering frost all over her and the winds howled and the cordage ran his steady notes were heard. Sweet fields beyond the swelling flood stand dressed in living green. So too the Jews all came and stood while Jordan rolled between. Never did those sweet words sound more sweetly to me than then. They were full of hope and fruition spite of this frigid winter night in the boisterous Atlantic, spite of my wet feet and wetter jacket. There was yet, it then seemed to me, many a pleasant haven in store, and meads and glades so eternally vernal that the grass shot up by the spring, untrodden, unwilted, remains at midsummer. At last we gained such an offing that the two pilots were needed no longer. The stout sailboat that had accompanied us began ranging alongside. It was curious and not unpleasing how Peleg and Bildad were affected at this juncture, especially Captain Bildad. For loath to depart, yet very loath to leave, for good 
a ship bound on so long and perilous a voyage. Beyond both stormy capes, a ship in which some thousand of his hard-earned dollars were invested, a ship in which an old shipmate sailed as captain, a man almost as old as he, once more starting to encounter all the terrors of the pitiless jaw, loath to say goodbye to a thing so every way brimful of every interest to him. Poor old Bildad lingered long, paced the deck with anxious strides, ran down into the cabin to speak another farewell word there, again came on deck and looked to windward, looked towards the wide and endless waters, only bounded by the far-off, unseen eastern continents, looked towards the land, looked aloft, looked right and left, looked everywhere and nowhere, and at last, mechanically coiling a rope upon its pin, convulsively grasped stout Peleg by the hand and holding up a lantern, for a moment stood gazing heroically in his face, as much as to say, Nevertheless, friend Peleg, I can stand it, yes, I can. As for Peleg himself, he took it more like a philosopher, but for all his philosophy, there was a tear twinkling in his eye where the lantern came too near, and he too did not a little run from cabin to deck. Now a word below, and now a word with Starbuck, the chief mate. But at last, he turned to his comrade with a final sort of look about him. Captain Bildad, come, old shipmate, we must go. Back the main yard there, boat ahoy. Stand by to come close alongside. Now careful, careful. Come, Bildad boy, say your last. Luck to ye, Starbuck. Luck to ye, Mr Stubb. Luck to ye, Mr Flask. Goodbye and good luck to all. And this day, three years, I'll have a hot supper smoking for you in old Nantucket. Hurrah and away. God bless ye and have ye in his holy keeping, men, murmured old Bildad, almost incoherently. I hope ye'll have fine weather now, so that Captain Ahab may soon be moving among ye. A pleasant sun is all he needs, and ye'll have plenty of them in the tropic voyage ye go. Be careful in the hunt, ye mates. Don't stave the boats needlessly, ye harpooners. Good white cedar plank is raised full three per cent within the year. Don't forget ye prayers, either, Mr Starbuck. My Matt Cooper don't waste the spare staves. Oh, the sail needles are in the green locker. Don't wail it too much on the Lord's Day, men. But don't miss a fair chance either. That's rejecting heaven's good gifts. Have an eye to the molasses tears, Mr Stubb. It was a little leaky, I thought. If you touch at the islands, Mr Flask, beware of fornication. Goodbye. Goodbye. Don't keep that cheese too long down in the hold, Mr Starbuck. It'll spoil. Be careful with the butter. Twenty cents the pound it was. And mind ye, if you come, come, Captain Bildad. Stop palavering. Away. And with that, Peleg hurried him over the side and both dropped into the boat. Ship and boat diverged. 
The cold, damp night breeze blew between. A screaming gull flew overhead. The two hulls wildly rolled. We gave three heavy-hearted cheers and blindly plunged like fate into the lone Atlantic.